And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So, the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasson. We're going to talk real fast so Ari can get to the hospital and become a father. Ari, is your child going to be born during this podcast? Uh, what's funny is uh, this is the, we're recording this on Tuesday, September 28th. The sun is going down. Uh, the f- last day that I will have no child for the rest of my life is uh, today, and I'm spending it with you, my evening. You're welcome. And that's a kind of an odd decision. And I don't know if that's a workaholic situation or if it's just because I like you that much, or if I just wanted to talk some ball, man, uh, you know, but we are, I always thought when you had a baby that when the baby comes and maybe this is probably most people's experience, but you have a bag, you pack it up, you put it in the back seat, everything's done. You, you're prudent, you prepare. Then all of a sudden you're like eating snacks or watching a football game. And then all of a sudden your wife goes, my water broke. And then you just go 98 miles an hour on the freeway to the hospital <laughs> frantically. We are waking up at 4 a.m. on Wednesday, and we are taking a leisurely drive to the hospital where we're expected by 5.30 a.m., and then we will go into labor. They induce labor at 7. So like, it's kind of like a, uh, a scheduled time to go pick up your baby. Um, <laughs> that's what it feels like. But we are going to have dinner after this. She gets to pick. Probably something with lentils in it. And then we'll uh, you know, <laughs> watch TV, the, the new... Uh, Monica Lewinsky things on on Tuesday evening. We're going to watch oh, yeah. that show and then, uh, you know, go to bed early. And, you know, Monday night was my last undisturbed night of sleep for a while. Yep. 
uh, because we have to wake up at 4 a.m. So I don't consider Tuesday night sleep to be un- uninterrupted because it's way too early. And then, you know, at that point, everything's changed. I think I'm on a couch for a few nights in the, in the hospital and then I have to keep a human being protected and alive at my house moving forward. So uh, how about we just talk some ball now? Yeah. Or, we'll, what do you think? We'll distract you with a little bit of talk about the Buckeyes who, uh, who play Saturday afternoon, 3.30 kick in lovely Piscataway, New Jersey against uh, a better Rutgers team. I don't think if it's, I don't know if it's a good Rutgers team, but it's a better Rutgers team. Uh, interesting, interesting line. I think interesting total. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, a little bit of news, I guess, off the top. Uh, Ryan Day's press conference was on Tuesday afternoon, and he was asked directly if C.J. Stroud is healthy. Is he the starting quarterback this week? He said yes. Now, is C.J. Stroud healthy? Is the second follow-up to that question, clearly. And uh, the plan is uh, C.J. practice on Sunday. He practice on Tuesday. plan is for him to practice on Wednesday, and Ryan Day said, like, we'll go from there. So, my anticipation is that CJ Stroud will start on Saturday. I didn't get any kind of vibe from Ryan Day on Tuesday that there's like open competition this week between he and Kyle McCord or Jack Miller or anybody to start. As long as CJ's healthy, he's going to play. What is your anticipation, Ari? And are you, I don't know, buying the idea that it's like not a competition this week? I am. Because everything that Ryan Day has said about the quarterback situation since. Uh, CJ Stroud was initially named the starter was that he wants to play one person. Yep. And it's an interesting thing because last week, both of us at this time anticipated that Ohio state was going to watch a laser laser show out there. And we thought that McCord, didn't I say like McCord was going to throw for like 380 yards. Yeah. What did he end up with? He threw for 319, but like half of it was on jet sweeps. But that's what I, I mean, that's what I said. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't jaw dropping. You so we saw it. I don't know that we're clamoring to see it again. That doesn't mean that he's not as good or, you know, marginally better or worse than CJ Stroud, but I don't think that we're in a position now where now that we've seen it and CJ Stroud is struggling, you're going to say, put McCord in to save the day. So that is interesting to me because, and you said this before, but what did Ryan day want? You think? Yeah. I don't know. I I tried to I asked him today and and or on Tuesday and and I suppose I didn't have any shot of getting a great answer but I said were you open to the idea that Kyle could have played so well that he would have just taken this job and kind of ran with it moving forward and then I asked like the fact that that didn't happen how's that complicate things and he basically said like no but then he also said, which I thought was interesting, he said, what you saw from Kyle and Jack is, is how they've also been practicing. So they played like they practice, which is to say a little inconsistent is how Ryan Day categorized Kyle McCord in particular, which I did find interesting because he's been, um, he's spoken in rather glowing terms, I think, about the way that C.J. Stroud has practiced and the way that C.J. Stroud has prepared to be the starting quarterback, which I thought was like another thing of, like, I I promise you I'm being thorough in this and I promise you that CJ has shown me he's the right guy to be the jo- right guy to have the job. So I don't know. I don't know what Ryan day. I don't know if Ryan day wanted Kyle McCord to take that thing and run with it or not. I, I guess what he wanted at the end of the day was clarity. However, that came. Um, and I don't know if he got that totally because it was just one game against Akron and there were some things that like for Kyle McCord for sure. But he also said, he said two things about Kyle. He said one, he was inconsistent and two, that he got away with some things. Like he wasn't, he wasn't maybe seeing it the way that Ryan Day had hoped he would see it and made some maybe questionable decisions, but got away with it anyway. 
and like juxtaposed to how he's talked about CJ, which is like he was pretty, he's been pretty happy with how CJ has seen things. I found that interesting as well. So I think he likes them both clearly. Like he brought them in here for a reason, but I, I think that perhaps he came out of that maybe feeling a little more comfortable that he had made the right decision initially. By starting yeah, the, the point of this is based on the way he's speaking is does he need clarity or do we need clarity? Well, we all do. Sounds, I guess. It sounds yeah. like he needed it. Or it's just like <laughs> we needed it more than he did. So yeah. if this is something that, you know, they find to be uh, consistent with what they're seeing in practice, then there's no more clarity necessary. And, you know, you put yourself in a position where you you see what you see in practice and you feel good about the initial decisions you made during the rest the beginning of the season. So, like, to me, here's the thing I want to make sure that both of us clarify. And I think we're on the same page here. Tell me if we're not. CJ Stroud never played poorly enough for me to think he should be benched. I think you can agree with that, right? I agree. Yeah. I feel more satisfied by Ryan Day's decision after watching McCord play. Mm-hmm. With, with with CJ Stroud. Would you agree with that? Yep. So and I, I think too that, you know, we are experts on the team. You know, we've covered them for a long time, but it is a little bit arrogant to feel like you need to see it. Right. <laughs> right. Like I, I feel like a little bit bad, like, okay, well, let me see it before I trust the guy who makes $8 million a year to make that decision. And it's just like, I totally see what Ryan Day sees now. The hope, if you're an Ohio State fan, if you're Ryan Day, is that C.J. Stroud will marginally improve every week until he's awesome at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Because if this is C.J. Stroud and who he's going to be, which I don't think it's fair to say it's that is, that's not good enough. Like you need mar- like significant improvement between now and January if Ohio State's going to be playing in a big game uh, offensively. Because as we said on the uh, last week's podcast, it seems to me that the offense is is performing worse in comparison to expectations than the defense has. And the defense has been terrible. So, you know, I think that if you feel comfortable with CJ Stroud as the quarterback, which Ryan Day certainly does enough to say that if he's healthy, he will play and will be the only one playing. The only thing left to do as an Ohio state fan now is embrace CJ Stroud as your quarterback and root for improvement, because this is what, this is what it is. Now there isn't any, Quinn Ewers fastball coming off the bench here. That's going to be playing like Justin Fields. It's going to save this team. You have to hope that CJ Stroud is going to develop into a a, a proficient quarterback and maybe 80% of Justin Fields. And that's that. And also the last thing I'll say too, Bill, and you tell me, I think watching Justin Fields the last two years has spoiled people. hundred percent. I don't, and I don't mean (laughs) like spoiled, like to be in it. I spoiled is like a, an arrogant way of saying it. I think we all forgot what it looks like to watch a team that has a regular quarterback or a regular above average quarterback because of how good he was. Or just a young, inexperienced quarterback. Like even when Justin got here, I mean, he had played like he had played in the SEC, not a ton, but some and CJ like hadn't played at all. So I I think that has to matter too, but, but you are right. Like, yeah, it was CJ Stroud's ceiling is not as high as Justin Fields. And frankly, I'm not sure if anybody in that room ceiling is as high as Justin Fields. Maybe Kyle McCord or Quinn Ewers can get there someday, but they're never going to be that kind of athlete. Um, but as passers, maybe their their ceiling will will be higher and that will show itself with time. But yeah, I think you know, I think people appreciate it, Justin, when he was here for sure. I'm not, I don't think either of us are saying that, but that's also not normal. And I think you're even seeing that or like you're seeing it at a place like Clemson. Clemson 
had like two God tier quarterbacks back to back nearly and Deshaun Watson and, and Trevor Lawrence and Oklahoma had a pretty good run too. And now you're seeing different guys in those roles who are talented, DJ Uyunglele, uh, Spencer Rattler, and I think CJ Stroud is talented too, but they're just not quite what you're used to. But I also wouldn't, I would hope that people wouldn't have the expectation that like generational quarterback every year is the way it needs to be. Cause there's like, that buzzword not, again. That's not realistic. <laughs> Are you talking about poopy Clemson? Poopy, poopy Clemson. God, they can't score. They're bad. Their offense is... I don't know what happened to them. What's worse, uh, Clemson's offense or Ohio State's defense? (laughs) Uh, If Clemson's offense and Ohio State's defense were a team, what would they be ranked? Not ranked. They would be not ranked. Um I would say Clemson's offense because the expectations were higher, right? For Clemson's offense than Ohio than they were for Ohio State's defense. They're both not great, but yeah, I, I don't think, know. I, I, I think you can look at things that happened the past two weeks and squint a little bit and maybe start to feel not good, but a little better about the direction of things for Ohio State's defense. And I don't think Clemson's offense has given anybody a reason for hope through their through the first part of their schedule. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I thought that. I thought that. When DJ Uyunglele, sorry, I don't care how many times I try, I can't say it. Teach me. Uyunglele. Uyunglele. There you go. Uyunglele. Um, Last year when DJ Uyunglele broke the most passing yard record for, I think it was an opposing quarterback in Notre Dame Stadium history, it was just like, okay, five-star quarterback ready to come in and just be awesome. Like I, I don't think we spent even a minute considering that Clemson would have a bad quarterback this year or a not great quarterback. So, you know, that's growing pains and that's the NBA. That's game. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're gonna we're gonna mailbag this for a little bit. We'll give you we'll give you a pick on Ohio State Rutgers at the end. Um, the first question came from Tyler, who hit the email four to six ab at gmail.com. It's a lengthy question. Bear with me. Tyler writes, uh, I think it is really easy to get tunnel vision when thinking about our favorite teams, and Ohio State is no different. I think the way the fan base feels about the team is probably a lot different than someone who has a more general or national perspective or is a casual fan of the sport. That being said, Outside of Alabama and maybe Georgia, who played a poopy Clemson, there is no team that seems to be head and shoulders above the rest. I think that this is the year we may actually see a playoff with three or even all four teams having suffered a loss. I'm actually starting to have more faith that Ohio State can find its way, get the defense at least off the ventilator, make some play, or, and making uh, making the playoffs feel very real again, like a real um, possibility. 
Uh, with Trey Henderson looking like one of the most explosive players in the sport, it seems like he can carry the load until a quarterback is ready in big games. Is 2021 going to be the perfect year for a team like Ohio State to stumble like they have and still make the playoff? Ohio State could have stumbled like they had and still made the playoff in any year. The question, I think, is whether or not Ohio State um, has a chance to win a playoff game when you start talking about everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the most important thing, right? Um, And it's how do you view Ohio State in the context of the sport? So, I don't know, man. I I think that Ohio State, if they win out, will make the playoff without question. And if they get on the same field as Alabama or Georgia at this point in time, it's very hard to have any significant confidence that they could win a game against those guys. But I also think they could beat Clemson, who's out now. I think they could beat Oklahoma. I think they could beat Oregon if they played again. I, I think mm-hmm. they could beat uh, just about anybody else who's still in the picture, right? I mean, who is good? Yeah, we talked about that last week or last episode, right? Like, who's good? Like, yeah. I don't you feel good about Alabama and Georgia, and then beyond that, I don't know who you feel really good about. Like Arkansas, who's is number fun. three definitively? Who's number three in the AP poll? Is it Oregon? I think, I think it's Oregon. I think it's Oregon. Um, number three definitively. I don't know. I don't know if there is one. I could be convinced There's, of probably like five or six teams to be number three. Can Ohio State beat Alabama right now? Let's just play the game. If Ohio State and Alabama get on the field right now, I would not pick them to win. No, but I also, after they lost to Oregon, I was like, this team has no shot. Like they're, they might make the playoff, but they have no shot. Um, I'm backing off that a little bit because I think clearly a lot of teams are flawed. And I think that we are going to see Alabama get exposed a little bit this week when they play Ole Miss. And people might even start feeling a little better about the, the kind of topic we're having. But at the moment, no, and I pick Ohio State to beat Alabama. I think Ohio State would get their ass kicked by Alabama right now. Uh, number two, Georgia. Mm. I would not pick them to beat Georgia, but I think the possibility of an outright ass kicking there is lower because Georgia's offense just isn't quite built that way. I agree. Okay. Um, Oregon, they've lost to. Yeah, but I, I still, think if they played them tomorrow, they would beat them. Yeah. I think Oregon is not good. I think they're fine. I think they are getting a deserved bump for beating Ohio State because they came here and they did it, and you have to give them credit for that. But I think they are not; they do not have the makeup of a team that I would consider a, a national title contender. I guarantee you that team will lose this year. Guarantee it. Yeah, you and I have gone back and forth on that a little bit. I, they look like a team who can lose. Um, the Pac-12 you play in a really crappy the Pac-12 conference, just so bad. Yeah, Arizona was in the game in the third quarter. Yeah, they were. And Arizona is like a middle school team. <laughs> Penn State is number four. Um, I like Penn State's defense a lot. I, Penn State to me is kind of like is like a lesser version of Georgia, which like is like Iowa. I think I kind of view Iowa the same way. It's like really nasty on defense, and that's going to keep them in games and make them dangerous. But their offense doesn't scare me. I don't know if in the end they'd be able to score enough to keep up with Ohio State. Okay, we're not gonna. This could go forever. Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Florida. Can Ohio State not beat any of those teams? Ohio State can beat all those teams. Right. So here we go. And then below them, directly underneath, Ole Miss, BYU, Michigan, AM, Coastal Carolina, Michigan State, Fresno State, Oklahoma State, UCLA. That's the top 20. So outside of Alabama and Georgia, who, you know, depending on how things go for those teams, might be in a situation in the SEC championship game where one will eliminate the other if they both have a loss somehow. Mm-hmm. You might have an Ohio State team that 
improves greatly by the end of the year and will play against another team that they can beat. And that's the way that the season is shaping up. Now, the one thing I think is interesting is, is this a year where a Penn State can make it? Is this a year where a Cincinnati can make it or a Texas can make it? Uh, or another team that has usually been playing second fiddle. Maybe Michigan makes it, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? I think that would be fun to see a new era of playoff participants, but Ohio state fans don't want to hear that shit. They want to hear whether or not Ohio state can make the playoff and win a playoff game. Right now, my inclination is that they are every bit as capable of winning a playoff game as everybody, but two teams right now. Yep. And those two teams uh, still have some somewhere to go. It's like, Georgia had the best defensive performance we've ever seen with our own two eyes. And it's just like now with more context, it's like Clemson couldn't score on itself. So, you know, every week we learn more. I'm very curious to see how Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas is the number eight team in the country and they're 18 point dogs against Georgia on Saturday. That's a huge spread. 18, Uh, 18. Hmm. I think there's some uh, injury issues there. I think KJ Jefferson, I haven't been caught up to speed. Hurt. Their quarterback and uh, a few of their receivers, I think, are banged up. So maybe that's part of it. But what's the Ole Miss-Alabama spread? I actually don't know. That's a good question. I am going to look it up right now with my bookie. Cowboys minus three and a half, easiest game. Sorry about that, but that was easy. Yeah, that was not a great night for, for the old ball club from Philadelphia. That's for sure. I'm looking at our friends at BetMGM because I think our corporate overlords yeah. would like us to do that. Uh, for the, yeah, do that, do that, for do the that, Alabama, <laughs> for the Alabama uh, Ole Miss game, uh, fourteen and a half is what they have. Yeah, that's big. That's bigger than I thought it'd be. Game in Tuscaloosa, obviously. I love, uh, Ole Miss is five to one to win. Yeah, the total seventy nine. Want me to I put would, it in for you? I think I would go over on that. You want me to put it in for you? That feels like a. That feels like a both team or teams are in the fifties kind of game to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to watch a game where you bet the over and have to score on every possession in four plays for you. <laughs> um, but I, but to go back to the question, I think it's possible that Ohio State gets their stuff together, makes the playoff, and could win a playoff game. Right now, I am not bought in on any sort of. I think it's like week to week mode. Not to sound like a coach. No, I, I think you're right. Fun, but like, I just like, I can't even beat Penn state. Then we'll talk about it, you know, cause like Akron mm-hmm. is so overmatched. It's like people were so open. The holes were so big. It's like, I don't know what you can learn from that. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, Tulsa, I agree. Akron, yeah. Do you feel better? It doesn't. Uh, no, I don't know. A, a little bit. I, I will. The fact that they were willing to make some some changes on defense makes me feel a little better. The fact that they seem to be settling on some personnel decisions on defense make me feel a little better. I still am not super high on the defense, but I think those developments are encouraging. Um, and I forget what I was just going to say about Ohio State. I think that Ohio State looked like Ohio State against Akron, which I think was like a Ohio breath State of fresh air for Akron. a lot of people. They should have just folded the program up. I mean, no, well, I know, not? but like they, they played the first three weeks. I don't know if they looked like Ohio State. Certainly not. No, the first because they're half. playing teams with the balls. I, I, I'm not saying like good job, Ohio State. You beat Akron, but I think Ohio State fans went through the first three weeks of this season not recognizing the program and team they were watching, and then on Saturday against Akron, that was like that's more like it. You don't get like gold stars for kicking Akron's ass. Akron sucks, but they didn't to me really look dysfunctional in any way, shape, or form against Akron. There was nothing like 
there was nothing alarming that happened in that game, um, which is a step in the right direction, it I is, guess, for Ohio State. But I'm, my only point is that it was physically impossible for it to happen. No, I, I don't know. They could have came out. They could have beat Akron. They could have hung 60 on Akron, but then given up like 28 points. I had like I had Akron like string together a couple of drives and get in the end zone somehow, and you would have come away feeling terrible about that, even if your team won by 40 points. Like that was definitely possible. Um, and it didn't happen. And I'm not saying that means Ohio State's defense is fixed. It doesn't really mean anything. But again, I go back to like look like what you're supposed to look like, and they finally did that. And now if they do that this week against Ak or Rutgers, if they do it against Maryland, they do it against Indiana. I think you start to build something up there, which is to get back to your point of it kind of being week to week. Like, I don't think I'm not, I'm not rating Ohio state off. I was almost ready to after the Oregon game. And I want to pull back on that because I think that was just jumping the gun. And we've seen, you got more context now. So I don't want to write them off, but we also need to see them build towards something. And maybe, maybe last week was the start of that, or maybe they'll come out against Akron on Saturday or Rutgers. Again, I keep calling Rutgers Akron to come out against Rutgers on Saturday and oh, give muscle up, memory bill, <laughs> give up 28 points to a team that is totally anemic on offense. And we're back to square one. Like that's on the table too. So I'm not, I'm not like proclaiming anything. I'm just kind of curious to see if they keep building on top of it. Yeah. I am in wait and see mode. And once I see something against a team with a pulse, then that'll alter my viewpoint on the playoff. Right now, I'm still playoff. What's the playoff? That's yeah. where I'm at. And the pulse but, is the team with the pulse isn't going to come until Halloween against Penn State. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I don't know. Six. If they went and beat Rutgers 56 to zero, that would mean something to me. I yeah. mean, Rutgers isn't dog shit the way they used to be. I mean, they, but here's the thing. Let's go to the next question because I think we can continue the discussion naturally through the next question. Yeah. Um, Ross from the email said, uh, does winning the Big Ten championship game with their only loss to Oregon essentially lock Ohio State into a college football playoff spot, even if they still look inconsistent on defense and don't excel with the eye test requirement? Yes, without question. Yeah. Um, we just got done talking about how everybody's flawed. Here's the thing, too. Ohio State gets a ton of credit for beating Penn State and Michigan this year. And the number five team in the country is Iowa, who might be the, the cross-division champ in the Indianapolis. Like if Ohio State wins the rest of their games and they beat Penn State, Michigan, and Iowa, they're in no matter what it looks like. Yeah, they're they going to win every like game three by top one. 15 wins, yeah. They're yeah, gonna, yeah, they can win every game by one. Right, and I don't think – yeah, well, I think when you get into games like that, it doesn't matter what the margin is, just win. Yeah, I was like, I have to like do some comparisons on uh, what things look like schedule-wise for like Penn State. Is Penn State going to be undefeated when they play Ohio State? Penn State have any tricky games? I think Penn State plays Michigan before it plays Ohio State. Let me pull that up real quick. They play. I know they play Indiana this week, um, and that's a home game. Uh, they play I Iowa on the ninth. That's a big yeah. one. Then they have a yeah. buy. They have a buy the same week as Ohio State, and then they play Illinois and then Ohio State. So, they, so have, they, they have Indiana, which should be a revenge game this weekend, and I, I assume that they're going to beat Indiana. Indiana's back to Indiana. Yeah. Then at Iowa is a tough game. Ohio State fans probably want Penn State or Ohio State want Penn State to win that game, right? Yes. Then I suppose, to, I suppose it doesn't matter because if you're if you're thinking is you'll play either one of those teams eventually, then I guess it doesn't matter. But I think you want Juice on October 30th beating a top five team at home. Yeah. I, I think that that means something, you know, and that'll be the first time Ohio State plays a game and I think if Ohio State wins that game October 30th, then the entire viewpoint of what that team is nationally chips. So I think you root for Penn State against Iowa. Then Ohio State's in a position to get a, a win and, and probably vault itself back into the top five if it does so. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, but yes, to answer your question, uh, they win all their games they're in for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Question from Matthew Gifford on Twitter. Um, he says he liked my blurb about the best 11 defensively that I wrote in my final thoughts story. Um, which positions do you think have the most drop off to the next 11? Uh, and which can you be okay rotating? And then he said, welcome to fatherhood, Ari. Um, Thanks, I think, Matthew. I think the only, my best 11, I'm curious. I'll tell you my best 11. Tell me if you disagree. Um, Zach Harrison, Haskell Garrett, Tyleek Williams, and JT Tuimolowal up front. Linebackers, Cody Simon and Steel Chambers. Bullet, Ronnie Hickman. Corners, Denzel Burke, Cameron Brown. Free safety, Lathan Ransom. Cover safety, Cameron Martinez. I agree with that. And shove me in a trash can, but there's only one I might. Is there a way they can get Jack Sawyer on the field? Over Zach Harrison? Would you put him over Zach or, or over Zach? No, Harrison? I think I would I would bump uh Tyleek somehow and try to figure out like a third down rushman package every play. <laughs> um if we're only talking about best eleven, I might put an end in the middle of the of the line there. I don't think Jack Sawyer's there quite yet. I just don't think he is strong enough at the moment. I don't think he his play strength at the moment is good enough for him to be an every down reliable kind of player. I think you will get there eventually. Who did you say? Your, Burke was one of your cornerbacks, right? Burke and Cameron Brown. Okay, that's correct. And yep. then your safeties were Lathan Ransom and Cameron Martinez. Cameron, okay. And Bullet is Ronnie Hickman, which I agree with, yeah. right? Linebackers, Cody Simon and Steel Chambers, I think uh-huh. I agree with. Uh, yeah, the only one there that I wonder about, I guess Teron Vincent is not as uh, productive as Tyleek Williams. Um, I yeah. just don't like Teron. Vin- I don't. I don't like one of Haskell Garrett or Teron Vincent having to play nose guard. So if the re- if the resolution to that is play Tyleek Williams more at nose guard and then Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett rotate, I'm good with that. And because he asks like where Matthew asks where can you rotate defensive line, I think is the answer. Because then you get Teron in there, you get Jack Sawyer in there, you get Javante Jean Baptiste, Tyreek Smith, like all yeah. those guys. That's where you rotate. Um, and then where the biggest drop off is <laughs> corner. Probably Corner. linebacker. Yeah. Linebacker. Eichenberg's been starting. I think there's, there's not a tremendous gap between any of the linebackers. So I think there would be a little bit of a drop off, but not a, not a big one. But if you have to take, I think Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke are their best two corners. And it's by a fairly significant margin right now. And maybe if seven banks continues to play and get more in the flow of things and gets healthier, there's a lot of talk about seven banks, knee injury kind of coming back from that on, on Tuesday there's an opportunity for him to get better too. But at the moment, like I, I like Denzel Burke and I like Cameron Brown a lot and I don't like very much what they have behind them. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think where the biggest drop off is. Uh, this kind of goes maybe back to what we were talking about before this question from Sean H on Twitter it says, gents, considering that quote, everyone is terrible this year. What are your thoughts on the impact of the 2020 season that the 2020 season is having on 2021? Meaning you had a lot of guys who didn't get reps in 2020. They otherwise might have gotten. And this first month, first month has exposed some of those inexperienced players. I buy that a little bit. I also think that there are a lot of middle tier teams that had a lot of guys come back and are probably better, more competitive than maybe we anticipated them being too. I think that's also a factor. Do you think that we just haven't, given them enough uh given enough thought to the idea that 
more super seniors means more competitive games across the board. Yes, I think that did happen. I think that it would be cool to have a story that kind of outlines that. How many super seniors are on rosters that pulled upsets upsets in comparison to the teams that they upset? Yeah, that would be it sounds it, it sounds like a very good theory and I'm ready to buy it. I just would like to see the numbers on that. Yeah, I would too. Because I be did wrong. I did the TCU state of the program this year. And if you're unfamiliar, our state of the programs are where we dive deep into a program in the offseason. And I was assigned TCU in Maryland. Um, and I was talking to Gary Patterson and I said, well, what do you think about where your team's at right now? And, you know, it seems like you have a lot of spots where you don't have to, you know, sweat so much because they had some pretty good depth. And he goes, it's impossible to have a really good feeling about where you're going to be this year because everybody has depth everywhere because everybody came back everywhere. And it's just like he knew that in the summertime. And I know it's been a tough week for TCU. Uh, losing to SMU, but like, it's a good point. You know, the, what, what's the best way that stars mattering lines up? There's two ways. Uh, one is just explosive playmaking ability and the ability to do things physically that your opponents can't do. And two, it's just depth, you know, mm-hmm. and if you can neutralize the depth with experience, I think that you could make a case that experience and depth is a good substitute for jaw dropping ability physically. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think, you know, I don't know that I don't know the numbers on the teams that Ohio state has played. I know Minnesota is very old. I think Minnesota might be the oldest team in college football. Um, and I think that helped them hang with Ohio state for a little bit. Um, who also in Ohio state schedules that way. I don't know, but I think in general, uh, the question might be on to something here that, that there's, there's two things happening. It's one a teams, teams having that dynamic that a lot of guys who came back, we probably should have given a little more credit to that. And also maybe we didn't consider enough that a lack of playing time for a lot of young players, especially at Ohio state who are now playing big roles, which is going to mean they would need some time to develop into that. But I do think in the long run, you and I were talking about this a little bit, like before we started recording and it was, there were a few questions about it. The Ryan day on Tuesday, like there are clearly young guys on this team, first and second year players who are playing more than I think any of us anticipated in place of third, fourth and fifth year guys on the roster, which I think you and I are both in favor of is like play the best players, whatever year they are, play the best players. But when you're going to do that and have a bit of a youth movement, the way that Ohio state is right now, I think you have to be willing to accept some growing pains along the way, which I think is what we've seen in some parts, not the whole, it's not, doesn't excuse everything because there are veteran guys who aren't playing well either. Um, But I think it helps frame a little bit of the struggles that Ohio state has had. But I think in the long run, it could be beneficial for Ohio state. As long as those young guys keep getting better throughout the course of the year. Can I ask you a question pleasantly? Yeah. How the hell did Minnesota lose the Bowling Green then? I mean, Mo Ibrahim. I don't know. No, I guess I Mo Ibrahim is that important to them. Is Bowling Green the worst program in college football right now? Or it is never not the worst program, the worst team. It's never a great look to lose a Scott Leffler. I'll say that much. Um, Wait, is who's better? Like if Bowling Green and Akron got matched up against each other, who would win? Like, is that a toss up? I think Bowling Green would win. I think Bowling Green is better than like Akron and UConn. <laughs> that might be it. I, I, I'm just saying like that is the type of game that veteran leadership experience and yeah. all that crap is supposed to. I didn't so, watch, a, I didn't I don't watch a second of that game, but I don't, no, I don't, me neither, I don't really, I don't really I care like, how it happened. You shouldn't lose that game. Yeah. I didn't see the man. The, I didn't watch the moon landing. It happened. <laughs> allegedly. I, allegedly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like theory, 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 theory. And then you pull that shit. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here is a question from Kevin, Kevin from high school on Twitter. Is this roster better set up to win a title in 2022 or 2023? I go back and forth on this, especially since we'll have so much O-line talent returning next year. Kevin from my high school? No, no, it was just his name. It just uh, it was oh, Kevin was from high school that. was the name on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. He might have yeah. gone to your high school. I don't know. Kevin, if you want to cactus shadows high school, let us know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Anybody named Kevin, I don't think. Kevin! <laughs> What was the question? I was just trying to think <laughs> of Ohio State. Questions. Do you like that? I remember the name of your high school. Is yeah, uh, so is Ohio State? Is well, this roster? I know yours. Yeah. Well, it's easy. Yeah. Roman Catholic. The Roman Catholic high school for boys. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over twenty years, providing a one hundred percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Is this roster better set up to win a title in 2022 or 2023? He says he goes back and forth because of how much O-line talent will be coming back next year. Uh, I think both years, bud. I think they're in pretty good spots for both years. I, I guess I would say it just depends on how their defense stacks up next year. Yeah. If the idea is like all these guys who are playing now are going to be juniors and seniors that year in 23, then I guess I'd feel pretty good about that. Plus, I guess the assumption is like Quinn Plus the infu- infusion of talent from, from the classes that they're currently signing to the 22 class. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably say 23 just because 23's team is going to be so talented. It's, it's absurd. Yeah. And 23, I guess the idea is that Quinn Ewers would be the starting quarterback that year. Yeah. So it's like the core, the core of your team is the 21 class, which is really good, and the 22 class, which looks like it's going to be really good. And you're like, you're removed from some of the misses that you had in 18 and 19. I think I've said this on the podcast about 700 times, but let me say it's 701. If Ohio State doesn't win a national championship at least one time through the 2001 cycle, I said that really poorly, at least one time with the 2001 being on this team, mm-hmm. it's a complete and utter failure from Ryan Day and his coaching staff. Yeah, I think that'll probably be true when that, when the time, if the time comes. Yeah, and it's like, I said that like about that the 2017, but like also if you stack 21 with the 22 class you're putting together, then it's like, come on. It's like you're Alabama with that, those two classes. So assuming that Quinn Ewers is still on the team, not to scare everybody, uh, assuming that everything <laughs> goes always, according uh, to plan, do you? I mean, nothing is for certain, but I would I would feel fairly confident. Do you think Quinn Ewers so. will be on the team next year if he's not starting? Yeah, I do. I don't because I don't think he'd. I think he would see it. I think he would see it coming. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think he's. I think he's on the roster. Guy who bolted from high school early has patient. Newsflash. No, 
I, I understand what you're saying is like, you think that's the case, but I wouldn't go to bed at night feeling a certain of that. I don't feel certain of it. I feel, I'd feel pretty good. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Um, by the way, we got a ton of questions about like how, what percentage chance does this quarterback leave? What if this quarterback leaves? What happens if this guy's like, we don't calm know. down. Yeah. Nobody knows you're going to have a good quarterback. So like, don't fret about it. What are the odds that Drew Aller is better for Penn State in 2024 than whoever Ohio State's quarterback is? Good. I like Drew Aller a lot. I think Drew Aller is very good. I don't. Again, I'm based not a on talent or based on dysfunction. Based on talent. I think I think uh, his situation might work against him, depending on who Penn State's coach is at that time. But like James Franklin has never shown himself to be a great quarterback developer, um, or like capable of maybe maximizing his quarterback's talents. So is your gut ho- feeling that Franklin's going to be at USC next year? Yes, I kind of agree with that. Yeah, so I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, so then that complicates things. I guess that complicates your hypothetical, but I'm just all talking off talent. Um, I think Drew Aller is going to be very good. Dude, I, th- I think we're all seasoned enough to know, too, that if I ask you a hypothetical question about something that's happening in two years, that everything is going to be different than you think it's going to be. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, for all we know, uh, Riley Dodge should be the head coach of Penn State with Quinn Ewers. Uh, Riley Dodge, the head coach of Quinn Ewers high school right now could be the head coach of Penn state with Quinn Ewers starting there in two years. I mean, it's an insane sport. So um, yeah, that's something interesting to track. Okay. Next question. Uh, I'm stealing your hosting duty. Sorry. That's all right. From Jimmy on Twitter. What are your thoughts on Wendy's new French fries and why are they still terrible? Have you had them lately? No, I don't like waiting in line for seven hours to get chicken. (laughs) Yeah, Wendy's is the wrong place to ask Ari about. I have had them and I kind of like them. I don't think they're, I still think they're not great. I still think they're probably the worst fast food fry, but I thought they were a step in the right direction. Seem a little, a little crispier, maybe. It's still kind of the same, um, like fresh cut potato feel that they're trying to mimic, although I, I don't think that they are, but I, I think they're a little bit crispier. So I, I, I think they are better, but they're still not great. What happens if they get not fresh? Then what is it? Do they become sandpaper like the old ones? Uh, Yes, but I think they. I think the shelf life's a little better with these. God, Wendy's is trash. The only thing they do well is nuggets and I've mean, got good burgers. They've got pretty good food. I'm, Their I don't food is good. It. Their food suck. is good. Yeah. I don't. Now the fries suck. Their fries are worse than an ounce fries, in my opinion. Oh, I disagree with that. Now their their fries. Like if I go to Wendy's in the in the off rare chance that I do, I don't even get fries. I don't get I don't order meals there because their fries are so bad. That's interesting. I mean, I get it. I respect it. Get something you're going to eat. Yeah. I think they're better. I, will, than I just I think that fries are very bad for you. And if you're going to put that garbage in your body, you have to enjoy it. Yeah. I think that's fair. Make it worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, let's do two more questions and we'll get to our picks. So I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom and grab these last two. Um because I think this is an interesting roster question that Ryan Day got asked about on Tuesday and didn't really provide an answer for. But this is from Charles on the email. He says, uh, I know it was Tulsa and Akron, yada, yada, yada. Regardless of the opponents we've seen since Thayer Munford went down, do you think the O-line is better with Matthew Jones, a true guard at left guard, than it was with Munford playing that position? Seems like Jones is a little more giddy up on pulling plays and the run game has been crushing it. Thanks also to Trayvon Henderson. Uh, I hate to say it with a super senior... And the block O guy, 
but I'm wondering if they should bench Munford and play Matthew Jones. What say you? I'm just going to sit over here and listen. Yeah, well, I would be curious on your take uh, on that because I think I think Charles makes good points that the offensive line does seem to be building a little bit of momentum. Um, Here's what Matthew, I think: Matthew it's Jones never going to happen ever. It is not going to happen ever. But but I will. I it's not going to. Yeah, I think I think get that out of the way. Like it's not going to happen. Like Thayer Munford when he's healthy is going to play, and he I think he might play this week. Like he was. He didn't dress against Akron, but like he ran out of the, he had a, from what we could tell, a lower leg injury, but he like ran out of the tunnel. He was jogging around during warmups. Didn't appear to have like really any kind of limp. I think he avoided like a, a potentially serious scare there. And Ryan Day said it wasn't long term. So I'm half anticipating the Thayer Munford plays this week. Um, maybe I think you can rotate a little bit if you wanted to, especially a guard. Um, maybe they do that. I still wouldn't anticipate it. I think it's Munford's job and Matthew Jones is in a nice job stepping in here and you should feel good about the depth there. Should they need to, to go into it again? Um, I don't know that I've, if I've watched this and thought like, man, Matthew Jones is better than Thayer Munford. Um, I think maybe they're about the same as run blockers and Thayer gives you much more as, as a pass blocker. And I would also just rather have him because I think he's a better offensive lineman. Also, there are certain people who, who are just hearts of the team guys. Yeah. And I think Thayer falls under that category as well. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, last question here from Joe, and then we'll get to our picks for the Rutgers game. Uh, you guys may have noticed that this is a part of question. I'm, I'm prefacing it with this. Ohio State is wearing scarlet uniforms against Penn State on October 30th. So it's scarlet jersey like we've normally seen in scarlet pants um, and scarlet socks. Like everything is scarlet except for the helmet, which will be the traditional silver. Uh, Joe asks, what are your thoughts on the new scarlet color rush uniforms that Ohio State will wear against Penn State? What are your thoughts on wearing alternates in general? And he says, I personally think we've rolled out some pretty bad ones over the years, especially against Penn State and Michigan. In my opinion, these are the games, Michigan especially, where we should be wearing our classic colorways that everyone thinks of when they hear about the game. Maybe I'm old school. If you want to wear alternates, do it against Rutgers. Our old managing editor of the sports department at Cleveland.com said that Ohio State and Michigan should wear their home jerseys Uh, in that game like USC and UCLA. And I believe that's uh, an amazing take. Yeah. They're classic home jerseys. Can I say something at the risk of sounding uh, ignorant? Yeah. Ohio state's classic jerseys have changed over the years, right? Like the, the sleeve pattern the on their jerseys sure, yeah. that they wore in the playoff game. And during the Jim Trussell era, like if you go look at the sleeve patterns of the 2002 Ohio State jerseys and then the 2006 pattern of the jerseys, the sleeves are different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's got the silver and gray or the gray and white bars on some. And then some of them times they're black. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. So to me, if you are upset about tradition, I don't know why Ohio State fans are fine with them continually changing their sleeve pattern because that's also a major part of the jersey, right? Yeah. And like to me, the jerseys that Ohio State wore during their national championship run in 2014 are by far their best jerseys they've ever worn, ever. But I think alternates are badass. And I can understand if you want to wear your regular jerseys like during a rivalry game. And if you want to wear alternates, wear them against Rutgers and whatever. Like I'm totally with that. But the thing I don't understand is why nobody cares that their sleeve patterns change and like which one is actually the right one. And like, it's not like 
Alabama or Penn State where they've worn the same jerseys since the beginning of time. Ohio State's jerseys have switched over the years. So I don't know that they have a traditional uniform, like in the sense of like what was their uniform in 1910 and then it being the same now because it's changed. They used to have stripes on their jerseys. Then they have the weird, uh, I mean, they've, they've done throwback jerseys where the font is kind of like UCLA's where it's, you know, they were the, the old UCLA font where it kind of squiggly a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, like, I get what you're saying, but, like, also, I just think Ohio State should pick the coolest alternates because some of them have sucked and some of them look badass. Like, I don't think that these are particularly cool. The, they should the, go back. They should go back to the jerseys where the the numbers on their shoulder pads were just ginormous, like just exceedingly large numbers on their jerseys on, on the shoulder pads on the front of the jersey. That's what I would go back to. But you're right. Yeah. The only the only like real defining quality of Ohio State's jerseys over the years has been the striping on the on the sleeves, um, and that's changed a bit. I do think the gray, and maybe someone listening to this is like driving themselves crazy because they're more in tune with it. I think the gray has been pretty consistent for a while, just not recently. But I think I agree. I think they should go back to that because um, I do consider that kind of Ohio State's quote-unquote classic look. Like the whatever whatever throwback it is to whatever it was that they wore in the playoff or that they still wear in the playoff, I think should be their jersey all the time. Um, and I agree that they should wear – both Michigan and Ohio State should wear their home jerseys when they play each other. Um, I don't love the scarlet color rush. I like the idea of scarlet pants, but I don't know if I love scarlet on scarlet. I think it would be cool to see scarlet with the white road jersey, scarlet pants with the white road jersey. Um and I'm not anti-alternates, but Ohio State has had some bad ones. Those the 2010 the alternates. The 2010 alternates were terrible. The ones where they had the red helmet and the and it was just red and gray, pant, yeah. red jersey, gray pants, plain lettering. Those are terrible. The 2011 ones where they had like the red, the fat red. Uh, it's really hard to keep track of them because the 2011 they had the gray helmet with the really fat red stripe. Those sucked. Um, the ones in 2009 that they wore with Terrell Pryor with that were white helmets with the, with the numbers on the helmet, you know, those ones, Yeah, those, were those ones are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but the best ones I think they ever wore were the 2012 ones where they had silver instead of gray and the helmets were like kind of like Chrome and they had black sleeves and the, in the Chrome numbers. Those ones were pretty cool. And then 13 when they had the white versions of that. Um, and I also like the, the blackout ones, uh, that they wore in 15. I like the black ones, but too. like the all yeah. gray ones they wore in 17. And then the all red ones. I mean, I don't think that they've been particularly great. I think the cool throwback uniforms, which one was the, did they wear when Curtis Samuel was on the team and there was actually striped letter? Like those were like the Chick Harley jerseys. Yeah. Like with the cannonball helmet. Like, like I get what they're doing, but like alternate and throwbacks are different too. And I think we can like forget that those are different things. So like to oh, me, that was like, oh, that was, uh, so in twenty in twenty sixteen they wore the Chick Harley throwbacks against Nebraska, which was the gray striped on the front of the jersey yes. with yes. the cannonball helmet. And then against Michigan, they did like a mishmash. They wore the cannonball helmet. They wore the the throwback regular home jersey with the gray sleeves, and then they wore like special LeBron cleats um, that day too. That were like a little different. So it was like a yeah. hodgepodge of alternate uniforms against Michigan. The Ohio State uniforms that they wore in 14 with the red or the scarlet and gray alternating sleeve bands, the big numbers on the, on the shoulders, the, the patch, the cool Nike logo, the block O on the chest plate and the thick red lettering. Those white jerseys are the best jerseys they've ever worn. And then the red versions of the home jerseys 
that they wore that year are the best ones and they've worn them. They wear them now, right? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they've worn them yet this year, but I'm sure they'll break them out at some point. Those should be their every game. Those are their regular jerseys for home and away games, in my opinion. Yeah, I, that's but like that's the thing about be, yeah. the tradition. The, the, and I don't mean to like get us on track because I know that the listener that might be kind of annoying because you can't picture what we're talking about unless you have the pictures in front of you. But the getting mad over tradition thing makes no sense because their uniforms really haven't had much tradition at all to begin with, right? The only thing that's been remaining constant in their history is their helmet. Yeah. And I actually thought that if they're going to wear scarlet pants and a scarlet jersey, that they should just wear like a matte scarlet helmet too and go like head-to-toe scarlet against head-to-toe white when they play Penn State. I think that might look cool. Yeah. It's like, are they going to have a red out? Is that what they're doing? Yes. They're scar- trying to do scarlet, scarlet scar- the shoe is what they're calling it. Scarlet out the shoe thing. Yeah. Guys, the Penn State whiteout is like one of the coolest things in all of sports, and you're not going to match it. So, I mean, do what you got to do, but... The whiteout is so badass, and I think it's one of the coolest things. And I, I don't think that Ohio Stadium does anything that can come even remotely close to how cool that is. And I, yeah. in my 10 years covering the team, they never had an atmosphere like they do there. Yeah, and it's fine. Like, that's Penn State's thing, and it doesn't have to be your thing. You don't have to try to mimic it. All right, Ohio State, Rutgers, Saturday, 3.30. Uh, I think it's a Big Ten Network game. Spread is 15 and a half from our friends at BetMGM. The total is 58 and a half. What do you like there? What do you think the score is? I don't know what I don't know what Michigan is. I don't know what Rutgers is, and frick if I know what Ohio State is. <laughs> uh, this is a do not bet. If I had to bet, I think Ohio State will win by. It's right on the number. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those those games where you're sweating at the end. And I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'll say 31-14 Ohio State. My pick is 31-17. So I'm like, I'm right there with you. I would I would take, I think if I were betting it, and I agree with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it because I think Rutgers is a little hard to figure. And I don't, I don't think Ohio State is like on a, on the precipice of starting to get this figured out and like entering like destruction mode. And by that, I mean like destroying other teams, but they could be. And that would make me a little nervous, but my inclination would be to take Rutgers and to take the under. Yeah. I mean, I would never bet an under with Ohio state's defense involved. Yeah. Until I see them actually play Rutgers, really, really well. Rutgers offense is pretty terrible. No, I know. I'm so, so is Tulsa's. <laughs> okay. I, I, mean, I don't know. No, with Tulsa I, I, yeah. Rutgers, uh, average less than five yards per play against temple and Syracuse and Michigan. And the only reason it's not like a hundred and something in total offense is because they played Delaware in their third game. Yeah. I mean, I think Ohio state's offense can score in the forties against Rutgers. I think I'm going to calm down and bring it down to 31. I might even say 34, 17, mm-hmm. but I don't think Rutgers is going to get black, like, blacked out at home yeah you know what i mean i think that they're going to score a few points you got to remember too that like greg shiano is in the middle of legitimizing his program and he's done a very good job of it and like losing a game by 50 is not a good look for him so like if they lose 31 or 38 to 17 or 38 21 or something and they you know ohio state could still cover but but Rutgers could make this a game i think that would be big for them so um I'm nowhere in the mindset where I think that I'm going to give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt of holding them to less than 10. 
you know, do it and then we'll talk about it. Um, That's where I am too. But I think Ohio State's offense is going to score a ton uh, because I just can't compute my brain now that Trevion Henderson has become a star how this team isn't scoring 40 points at will on everybody they're playing. Yeah. So even if the passing game is not crisp, right. They're still going to run the ball. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think this is a cover um, unless Rutgers scores 28 points and we're like, Oh my God. I mean, at a certain point it's got to turn around. I think this might be a good spot for it to do it at the birthplace of college football. Maybe it'll <laughs> be the birthplace of Ohio state's defense. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, also shout out the Rutgers. Cause this, this is basically a, a two touchdown spread and, uh, last year was 39. Two years ago at Rutgers, it was 52 and a half. And three years ago in 2018, it was 36. This is by far the closest spread for an Ohio State Rutgers. Part of it has to do Rutgers with Ohio State. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Ohio State, I think, is viewed as vulnerable. But I also think that Rutgers is viewed as competent, which is a major step in the right direction for them. <laughs> and they are competent. So yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy for them. And I'm yeah. happy for Greg. And if this is a good time to plug, I did the uh, New Jersey. Yes. Uh, New Jersey recruiting confidential with Nicole Auerbeck and Audrey Snyder this week. Talked to a handful of, you know, more than 10 New Jersey high school coaches all over the, the state. And we talked about recruiting the state and how they view it. And there's a lot of good Penn State, uh, Steve Adazio, uh, all sorts of different, you know, quotes and opinions. And somebody called uh, James Franklin a showman. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can go read. And if you haven't read it yet, I'd appreciate it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, go check that out, theathletic.com slash 4-6 and get you signed up. Uh, we will have a podcast after the Rutgers game. Um, Ari probably won't be on it. Uh, we'll figure out something to do next week uh, as Ari uh, enters the wonderful world of, of fatherhood, but obviously he's going to take some time off here. Um, I'm going to you know. try to be on it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll we'll, we'll, just don't promise anything. We'll have a show. Try. We'll have a show, but who will be on it? I can't. I can't promise you that right now. But uh, before we sign off, you know, we want to say, you know, we hope everything goes well, Ari, for, for Britt and the baby. We're excited for you. A lot of our listeners are excited for you. They they pass that along in, in the questions. So, uh, good luck with everything. Enjoy your your last night of semi sleep, uh, and then we'll you know whenever you get back here, we'll we'll see what fatherhood's all about. I'll miss you too much to stay away too long, Dalby. I appreciate it. <laughs> Say some prayers for us. Everything goes okay. Uh, and I do appreciate everybody who listens, subscribes, interacts, uh, calls me stupid even. You know, also, uh, I got a I got a uh, email from a physician in Westerville today who uh, said that he didn't like me at first because of my takes on Jackson Carmen and the fact that I had an Ari's take section in the press conference takeaways and he didn't like me, but now he loves four to six and uh, the Andy Staples show and has come around on me. And I just wanted to say thank you. And he said, if Bill needs a general uh, physician that he's in Westerville. So if you need a doctor, Bill, uh, we got a listener here that's wanting to treat you. So um, thanks to everybody. The emails <laughs> make me smile. Uh, the questions make me smile. And, and just doing this every day is, is something that I certainly appreciate. And uh, I look forward to continuing it once I'm a dad. Yeah. We're excited to welcome a new member that a four to six with AB family. Maybe I'll go, I'll go see that doctor and, he can tell me I'm fat. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get that squared away. All right. We'll talk to you guys after the Rutgers game.